0: This is part four on 2 Thessalonians 2, 9-12, and I want to focus on verse 11. On account of this, and we'll come back to what that is, God sends them a working of delusion. God sends this with this purpose, so that they may believe what is false. They may believe this lie here. In order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, rather, what is false, and had pleasure in unrighteousness. Father, grant, I pray, that we would grasp the point of Paul's mentioning this surprising and tremendously important point that you, at the end of the age, will join in the confirmation of delusion. On those who are falling away from the faith. Show us the import of this for our lives, our worship, our obedience, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me catch us up. Remember, when this chapter began, some had said the day of the Lord has already come. Paul's point in this chapter is to say, no, it hasn't already come for two reasons. That day will not come Unless the rebellion comes first, that's number one, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, that's number two. And from that point until verse 8, he's describing the coming of the man of lawlessness. And what happens in verse 8 is that Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth. So at the end of verse 8, the lawless one is killed. He's over. Now, what happens next then is that Paul recapitulates. Only this time, he's explaining the coming of the lawless one from the standpoint of the rebellion. So he's got the coming of the man of lawlessness is revealed, that's verses 4 through 8. The rebellion has to come first, and that he unpacks with this deception in verses 9 through 12. That's the flow of the chapter. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power and with signs and wonders in the service of a lie and with all deception of unrighteousness for those who are perishing because they did not welcome the love of the truth, the truth of the gospel in particular. They didn't want to love it, and so they didn't welcome even God's offer to help them love the truth. Now, on account of this, this failure to welcome a love for the truth, on account of this being deceived in unrighteousness, they had pleasure in unrighteousness, they loved unrighteousness, and so were sitting ducks for the lie of Satan, namely that the man of lawlessness is in fact God. So the rebellion has come in this passage, and God now, it says, because of this, sends them a working of delusion. They had already come under satanic delusion. The working, notice the same word, the working of Satan, and now the working of delusion that God sends. Satan has a working. God has a working. It's the same word in English and Greek. God is joining in the final rebellion, apostasy, falling away with his own design and purpose. Here's Jesus' description of that moment or that season. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all the nations for my namesake. So tremendous pressure on the church now from outside, hated by all the nations for my namesake. Because you are a Christian, I hate you. And that's going to apply such pressure that many will fall away, and then many will fall away. That's what Paul is talking about in this great rebellion unless the rebellion comes first many many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another so the pressure from outside is going to be so great that christians will betray christians and hate one another and many false prophets now from inside the church not just from hatred from outside, from inside the church, false prophets will arise and lead many astray. So this falling away, this leading astray is this great rebellion that Paul is unpacking now in how it happens with the working of Satan and what verse 11 contributes that is so stunning is that God doesn't just stand by and wring his hands. This is why verse 11 is so important here, because if the last days come while we're alive and we see the horrific departures from the church, churches emptying because they're so full of hypocrites, and we don't have a theology like verse 11 that says, God is in this, what will we have? Where's God? Where's God? What's become of the bride of Christ? What's become of the future of the church? What's become of the power of the Holy Spirit? What's become of the power of the Word of God? Oh dear, everything is failing to go as planned. No, (laughs) that's the point of verse 11. It's not failing to go as planned. God himself sends the working of delusion. Let that sink in. Let the sovereignty of God stabilize you no matter what the condition of the apostasy is in the church. No matter how much betrayal there is, lack of love. The next verse that I didn't quote in Matthew 9 to 11 says, the love of many will grow cold, but those who endure the end will be saved. And he says, because of lawlessness is multiplied, the love of many will grow cold. We must not be taken off guard, and we must not think God is not in this. Let me show you from Jesus and Isaiah that this thought of God confirming people in their delusion and seeing to it that it will be inevitable for these non-welcomers of the love of the truth to be judged. it will be inevitable because of God's action. Jesus. Did the same thing in his parables, right? He said to them, To you it has been given, to you disciples it has been given, has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that this is the design, the concealing, confirming, judging design of the parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. In other words, God has given them up in judgment to perishing. If you say, but doesn't God desire all to be saved by quoting another part of the New Testament? The answer is, first, he doesn't desire people in hell to be saved. It is too late. Now, where is that line drawn? And if you say, it's only drawn at death, then you have to ignore passages like this. No, that line where people pass from being offered the gospel so that they might be saved, that line can pass earlier. And God, give them up to corruption, lest they be forgiven. And notice that this is a quote right here. See those quote marks right there? This is a quote from Isaiah. 6. God said, go and say to this people, he's saying to Isaiah, I'm sorry, Isaiah, but it's too late for this people, this generation. Here's what I want you to say to them. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest... They see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. God has given up on that generation of Israel. So I come back to verse 11. This is so utterly crucial. On account of this, notice it doesn't come out of the blue. They do not welcome a love for the truth. They're already in the sway of the working of Satan's power. They have fallen for the signs and wonders. They have believed the lie. They are in the grip of deception, and it is owing to their pleasure in unrighteousness. They're deceived by their own hearts. And on account of this, God. Now confirms their delusion. He sends his own working. Satan sends his. God says, Satan, you don't have the last word here. You're not in charge here. I'm not wringing my hands. I'm not watching this play out at the end of the age as though I didn't see it coming. I know exactly what is happening here, and I have my purposes to preserve my faithful elect remnant, and these people right here are not they. And so they fall confirmed in the working of delusion, so that they do not believe the truth, but they believe what is false in order that condemnation might be just on all who have not believed the truth but taken pleasure in unrighteousness.